Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. Hi. Uh, My name is Randy. If you just walked in, that just looks strange, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, My name is Randy. I'm lead pastor here on occasions. Um, I just got back about last week here this time. I'm still processing a lot. I'll share a little bit of that next week. Um, But I'm very pleased that uh, to conclude a series of we've had, that today we have with us uh, Jeff Ling. Uh, Jeff is the founder and lead pastor of Clear River uh, Community Church in Manassas, Virginia. He has been recognized and has spoken nationally as well as internationally, uh, both in communication as well as in worship leading. He's been our worship leader here today, as you will have seen, and has a phenomenal voice. He's also one of the most compassionate people and most authentic people I know. We're part of a community of churches, even though we are a a non-denominational church. We're not independent. We're connected with other churches through an organization called Messenger Fellowship. And through that connection, Jeff and myself, uh, um, Ryan Hall, Steve Garrett, uh, Dave Buring, some of the other names that you've seen come across over the years, have been in a long-term relationship for years. And so I'm very pleased to conclude this whole series of, of where we've been here in this season of time for Jeff to come up and join us. So would you please very warmly welcome your worship leader and your speaker today, Jeff Ling. that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. Hello, Rock Point. It's great to be with you. I am such a fan of your pastor and the, uh, the ministry and the work that uh, has been part of this church for, gee, how many years has this been in existence, Randy? 55 years. That is just amazing. What a great, good for you. Good for you guys. 55 years. I love it. I love it. Our little church has been around for 23 years. I don't know if I won't make it to 55 on that, but uh, maybe they will. I will see. Any Brian Regan fans out there? A few Brian Regan fans. Some of you might remember on his first album. He's a comedian. Some of you might remember on his first album, he um, he starts uh, the set off by going, uh, "Okay." So some of you are looking at me and going, "Okay, funny boy." You got some jokes? <laughs> Going to give us some jokes? Got some with you? When your guest speaker kind of feel like everybody's looking at you because they don't know you and going, okay, guest preacher man, <laughs> you got some points? Got at least three points and a conclusion? You're going you're gonna to help us out here? So. <laughs> 
But we'll, we'll see. But thank you for making me feel um, at home and for the privilege of, of, of leading you all in worship this morning. I'm very grateful for that. I want to I spend some time giving you all um, um, or sharing a concept with you that I hope will encourage you and uh, strengthen you. Um, and, you know, having a second service is nice because I can go back and try and fix whatever I messed up in the, in the first service. And um, so we'll see if I can do it better. But this concept and the sermon title, you know, the glorious honor of God's people, that will make sense at the end. But for now, my prayer is that we will understand something of how worship and praise works on our behalf and engages us in dispelling spiritual darkness wherever we are. So I want you to go with me to Jerusalem and Jesus entering Jerusalem. The last days of his public ministry. And he's on his way, he knows, to the cross. He's on his way to an excruciating death, excruciating on so many other levels than just physical. It is a spiritual, it is a soul-scorching death that he is about to undergo. And as he enters the city, people are crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. And as he enters the city, he begins to do some amazing things, flips some tables over, and he begins to heal the lame and the blind who are in the city that are coming to him. And as he's doing this, the children are crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. And scribes and Pharisees, who aren't known for loving a party, they get mad. I always find it hard to understand how these guys were so hard of heart that in the presence of somebody being dramatically and powerfully healed, they would complain. Just hard to imagine. Is Debbie Downer to the utmost uh, in, in that situation? And so if you read in Matthew 21, verses 14 through 15, you see this scenario. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the, I just read it, saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? And then he's going to quote Psalm 8. He's going to quote Psalm 8. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. Now, what's interesting is that <laughs> that's not what Psalm 8 says. Psalm 8 reads a bit different. 
When you actually look at Psalm 8, it starts off with those wonderful words, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So it starts on a note of praise. And then comes verse 2, which, which is a verse that has no parallel in the Old Testament, nothing like it elsewhere in the Old Testament. You can't cross-reference it except with Jesus' words in Matthew. And they say, and it says this, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. You have established strength. The, 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 the CSV says it this way, because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold. Another translation says, you have established a bulwark, a seawall, a fortress wall. You have established this out of the mouths of children and nursing babies. Isn't that interesting? When Jesus quotes it, he says, you have prepared not strength, not a stronghold, not, not, not a bulwark. You have established praise. You've established praise. Let me pause there for a minute and just think with me about what Jesus might have been experiencing as he's coming into Jerusalem. I, I, I don't know how spiritual darkness works in all these different realms and places. I know it's there, and I know that the Bible says we wrestle with it, but I don't pretend to understand every which way that, that works. But I would imagine that in that day when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, that pretty much all of hell's forces are gathered in that place, all gathering to watch the execution of God, all gathering gleefully to boast and mock against the Son of God. I don't know what Jesus was feeling, experiencing, hearing, thinking in those moments, but I would imagine that just as Gethsemane was a test, even walking into that city was a test. It was a place where he felt the pressure of the enemy's onslaught against him in that moment. And all around him, all around him, there are children that are crying out words of praise, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the king. Those children may or may not have been aware of the import of what they were saying. Maybe some older ones did, but the other ones, the little ones, they're probably just speaking along with everybody else and enjoying the excitement of the moment. But they're speaking these praises, and Jesus says of these children, out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established praise. And Psalm 8 tells us that what that praise is, is a mighty defense against the attack of the enemy. Are you there, church? 
a mighty defense against the attack of the enemy. In fact, listen to these next words here in the psalm. He says, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. I like the CS when it says to, to silence the enemy and the avenger. Could it be that Jesus was welcoming the worship and the praise of those children who regardless of how cognizant they were of what they were doing, the very words that they were uttering were words of praise and those words of praise were silencing the enemy. Silencing the attack on his own soul. Silencing the mockery of the enemy. Jesus was saying, let them worship, let them praise, let them say it, because as they say it, it is a bulwark. It is a stronghold around me as I walk through these days. Praise is a defensive weapon. It is a powerful defensive weapon. If you're like me, you are well aware that you are in the midst of adversity most of the time. How many of you know the enemy never takes a break? He doesn't go on vacation. That's why Peter says, be alert, be aware, because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't take a vacation, doesn't take a break. And the enemy of my soul has been well, well established over my 67 years. He knows the kind of cassette tape. That shows my age right there, doesn't it? He knows how to stick that cassette tape in the my brain, and it's that tape that, that, that speaks of my failure, the tape that speaks of my imperfections, the tape that speaks of my shortcomings, the tape that speaks of my past sins, the tape that speaks of, of, of the criticism or the wounds or the hurts of others. Am I the only guy that's got a tape like that that plays in his head? We all deal with that. We all deal with it. And the enemy just loves to let those tapes play. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll get one of those cassettes going in my head and it'll go all day. It'll go all day. And finally, I, I, maybe at night when I get home from work or something, I'll, I'll stop and I'm going to go, whoa. I have spent this whole day criticizing myself and complaining about things around me. And, and, and wrestling with negativity this whole day, God. Are you like me at all? Sometimes you can get about two or three days from Sunday and you realize you hadn't prayed, you hadn't done anything. Are you, are you, are you, are you a superior church or what? what right? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, two or three days, I'm going, Lord, this, I, I am sorry. I have allowed my focus to drift. I've allowed my thoughts to drift. I have not been doing this. The enemy has taken advantage of it. 
He wants, he, he's the one that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He's the one that wants to render me useless because I'm so self-absorbed. And I have to stop. And I, I, I go to my chair or maybe I'm in my bed and I just stop and say, Lord, I am, I'm sorry. I've allowed this to go on long enough. And right now, I'm turning my attention to you. I'm turning my attention to you to worship you and to bless you and to praise you. Now, I, I know a lot of people like to spend time binding things. Devil, we bind you, that kind of stuff. Can I tell you a secret? I don't know if you realize this or not, but the devil doesn't listen to you. Sorry. If you think you're that important, more important than every world leader, every dictator, every horrible thing that's going on in the world, that the devil's got time to listen. He's not omnipresent, right? And we spend a lot of time, oh, we bind you, Satan. He's not listening to you. He has got spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness in high places. That's what the Bible says. We wrestle against that, Right? We waste a lot of time talking to the darkness rather than praising the one who conquers the darkness. And instead of spending time, oh, I'm binding this, I'm binding that, I'm attacking you, Satan, I'm putting my foot on your neck, you are under my foot, and we are conquering you right now, I bind this, I bind that, I bind that, I bind... Stop it! Instead, worship. Instead, worship. You want to silence the enemy? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have ordained praise. That is your strength. That is your bulwark. In Ephesians 6, that wonderful description of the armor of God, let me just start at verse 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Church, it says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That does not mean we don't wrestle. <laughs> it's just describing what we don't wrestle against. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. That can sound overwhelming, even a little unnerving, even a little scary when you read it. This is what we're contending with. This is what we wrestle against. The question is, how do we wrestle? You don't get to not wrestle, right? You don't get to not wrestle. How do we wrestle? How do we wrestle? He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Then watch this down in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. With all prayer and supplication. This morning, when we were singing these words, I loved meeting uh, Maxine and hearing her sing this morning. She did such a lovely job. 
I really enjoy it. Where is she? Is she out there somewhere? Oh, there they are in the back. She did such a lovely job. Here's the thing. As she was singing, as you were singing, as I was singing, we were praying. We were praying. What is prayer? Talking to God, isn't it? It's expressing our hearts to God. It's entering his presence and telling him of our love for him and telling him of our need for him and declaring his truth. That is what prayer is. And as we were singing today, we were praying. Singing is a form of prayer. Prayer can take many shapes, many different ways. But when we worship, we are praying. And when we worship, we are warring in our, in our prayer. We are warring in our prayer. Sometimes we're cognizant of it. Most times we're not. But every time we do, although you couldn't see it this morning, the atmosphere in this place and around this area was impacted by the Spirit of God because the voice of the enemy was being silenced. That happens every time we worship. And it happened with these kids that were worshiping. Let me read you a quote from J.H. Eaton, who was writing about this. And he said, The context suggests that these babes are the weak and humble worshipers whose inadequate singing of God's glory is yet used by him to still the avenger. So long as they sing, the chaos is silenced and the meaninglessness repulsed. That's so good. That's so good. You have kids in this church, right? I know you have at least one baby when you have kids in this church. And they're all in a different place this morning, right? And I assume there's some singing going on. They have their classes and they, they start singing songs. And they're loving singing. They're probably dancing and clapping their hands and, and, and laughing and enjoying that time. And they may be aware of what they're singing. They may not know entirely or understand entirely. But I'm going to tell you something. As these little ones sing in there, it's impacting here. It's impacting here. When they go home and sing those songs at home, it's impacting your home. When they go to school and they sing that song on a playground somewhere, it's impacting the school. When they sing in the neighborhood, it's impacting the neighborhood. Everywhere the praise of God goes, the voice of the enemy meets its match. Everywhere the praise of God is lifted up, the voice of the enemy is silenced. Something powerful happens when we sing and worship and express our praise to God. What if the children of Jerusalem, without even being aware, were silencing the chaos around Jesus and repulsing the enemy's onslaught? What impact you could have 
what impact we don't know we have, but you do. And I'm urging you this morning to incorporate this, not just on your Sundays, but into moments in your day-to-day life, what impact the spiritual atmosphere around you can be changed, can be impacted. What if you were silencing the voice of the enemy and the attack of the enemy over your home, your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, and this church? Are you with me, church? As we worship, something powerful happens. Let me paint a picture for you of it for you using Psalm 149. In Psalm 149, wonderful psalm, one of my favorites. It begins this way. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and a two-edged sword in their hand, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Where have we heard that language before? Hebrews talks about the Word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword. And in Ephesians 6, in the armor of God, it says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. In other words, let the praise of their lips be informed by the words of God. Let that praise, shaped by and informed by the word of God, let that go forth from their mouths. Now, when David wrote this, he's dealing with real physical flesh and blood enemies, right? We read these psalms. They're called imprecatory psalms. They mean the the kind of psalms where David says, oh God, bash their teeth down their throat right? And oh God, smite them on their cheeks and destroy them from the face of the earth. That, that kind of thing. Now, listen, you're not supposed to pray that about your enemies, okay? You're not supposed to do that. We don't, we, we don't have, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood enemies. I know you think you do, and you, I know there's people that might seem like that to you. But behind every broken person who's hurting you, there's darkness. Behind every person who's attacking you, there's darkness, There is a work of spiritual forces. And if we get caught up in looking at those who oppose us or treat us badly or attack us, if we look at them and that's the stopping point, you are the person I have to deal with, we're going to miss an opportunity to change the atmosphere and maybe even change their lives by being a person of worship in the face of that. When we read these psalms, there is something for us as believers in Jesus, as followers of Christ, there's something in here for us to understand and to learn from. There's application here for, uh, hi up there. Forget that group is up there. There you go. So there's something for us. I was just noticing, but look at all those people. So there's something to be learned here for us. So look at what he says then in verse 7 and 9. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Now, what what does Paul say? 
we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, against powers and world rulers of this present darkness. Could you, could you think this with me? To execute vengeance on the principalities, punishment on the uh, spiritual forces, bind their world rulers with chains. and their no are, you, are you with me? And their nobles with fetters of iron. Can you see that? Now let me illustrate this for you. Because I love, that's my favorite line, my favorite line, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. So if you can, picture this with me. Someday I'm going to get a film clip made of this um, but, but you're just, just going to have to imagine with me, right? So I want you to imagine as you're looking at me and I am worshiping God. I will bless thee, O Lord. With my hands lifted up, I will bless your name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. The one who heals all my diseases. The one who forgives all my sins. The one who crowns me with loving kindness. Oh God, you're faithful. God, you are good. And I worship you. Now, as I'm saying that, I want you to imagine those words coming out of my mouth in block letter form. Can you do that? Imagine the word, Alleluia. I worship you. Jesus, those letters coming out of my mouth in block letter form, rising up into the heavens, rising up in praise and worship. But as they do, I want you to imagine those words as they come out of my mouth, morphing into chains. Morphing into chains. And as I am worshiping, as I am participating, what you did this morning, in this place, as you worshiped, as you praised, as you lifted him up, all those words coming out of all of those mouths, lifting up, blessing the Lord, you were praising him, you were exalting him, but you were also executing on the enemy the sentence that has been written against him. He is judged. He is done. He doesn't win. We know how the story ends. But for whatever reason, as long as God is still populating heaven and we are here, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege to participate in executing upon the enemy the sentence that's been written against him. And all of your words this morning, as they were going from your mouth, I can see them just morphing into mighty chains and binding principalities and powers. You didn't have to bind anything. You didn't have to rebuke anybody. You didn't, even, you didn't have to talk to the devil. He doesn't deserve to get your attention. Jesus deserves to get your attention. And here's the good news. As you worship Jesus, as you praise Jesus, as you lift up Jesus, God takes care of rebuking the enemy. And our praise becomes chains that bind the enemy with fetters of iron. Hallelujah. That happened this morning as we worshiped. It can happen in your home. It can happen in your office, wherever you are. And this last verse, and I'll close. Psalm 149. Nine, the second half of that verse. This is the honor for all his godly ones. That entire psalm ends 
calling us to praise, calling us to worship. The high praises of God in our mouths, a two-edged sword in our hand, speaking, singing, declaring the word of God, and by that, binding the enemy, binding spiritual darkness, dispelling the darkness, pushing back the darkness. Here and wherever you are, pushing back the darkness. It is your honor to do such a thing. It is your honor to participate in pushing back hell and ushering in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you this morning. You are a mighty and wonderful God. You are faithful, ever, ever faithful. Your mercies are new every morning. Every day we can approach your throne of grace to find mercy and help. Mercy for yesterday, help for today. Lord, I need your help every day. I need your mercy every day. If one of these folks followed me around for a week, they could probably find a hundred reasons why they would say, well, obviously you're not some spiritual giant. You're not somebody that would be perceived as somebody who can, can push back darkness and usher in the kingdom. And yet, Lord, because of your grace and because of your mercy and because of your love for me, because of the righteousness I have, not through any merit whatsoever of my own, but that which is given to me by my Lord Jesus Christ. That's the authority we stand in, whether we feel like it or don't feel like it. We are always standing in that authority. And every word of praise, every prayer of worship, every lifting of our hearts to you, Lord, from the strongest of us to the weakest of us, every word of prayer, even from infants that just gurgle it out, it is your praise, and it silences the enemy. I pray for those today that are facing internal struggles with fear, with doubt, with self-hatred, self-loathing, with condemnation, with guilt or shame, whatever that tape is playing in the heads of these beloved people, oh God, show them that you have already won the war. You were asking us to participate in the cleanup and we participate in it by turning to you rather than turning inward, turning our eyes on Jesus, looking full in his wonderful face. That's how the things of this world grow strangely dim. And that's how the inside voices that are so destructive can begin to be silenced. Because, Lord, your presence changes everything. Just like that candle that's lit in this church that is reminding us, it burns 24 hours a day, that, God, your presence is real. It is always here. It is always with us. Your presence changes everything and Lord, in our darkest and most painful and most difficult moments, 
may we turn to you. And whether it's in joy or even in our tears, may we say, Jesus, you are worthy of my praise. And I say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And I trust, Lord, that as I do and as they do, you will still the voice of the avenger and you will give us the great privilege and releasing your light. In Jesus' name, amen. It's times have passed that I've um, joked that I wax prophetic like once a year, okay? But this is one of those times. Um, in the Fellowship of the Ring, there's a point in time when the city is deeply oppressed and everything's going to fail, it looks like, and then suddenly the riders of Rohan come over the, the hillside. And there's a trumpet that blows. And one of the hobbits at that time who's facing the darkness and sees it goes away at the blowing of the trumpet says, in the future he could never hear trumpets blow without weeping. He just took him back to that moment of, uh, of victory and, and uh, healing and redemption. Everything's part of it. I think for some of you today, this song, whenever you hear it, is going to be your horn blow. It's going to take you back to a moment right here where there was something in your soul that was vanquished, something that was established. And so I would encourage you, take hold of that today. Take hold of it. Father, um, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for Jeff and his ministry here, Lord, and I ask your blessing upon him and the, the Clear River community as he travels back to them. But Father, I thank you, along with him, for your grace and your mercy. Grace for today and mercy for the past. So, Lord, I pray that you strengthen us as a people as we go through this summer and as we emerge into the fall uh, with a new direction. So, God, bless and guide. We commit all these things to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. 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 God bless you.